Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another episode of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm Dan Todd. we got a great show today. Our theme is Walking the Talk. Cheryl, pretty, what's the game? Pretty simple, right? What do you mean game? There's no you game. You always have a game. You <laughs> always have a story. So well, tell I, have, I have a, a story. Are, I have a, a reasoning for, for the theme. So is that what you're asking for? Let me rephrase it. Cheryl, <laughs> what is this Walking the Talk? This is what you get when you have a husband and wife, both with a microphone, right? You get to see a little bit of that behind the scenes stuff. Okay, so what I wanted to do was today name today's show or have the theme, What Have You Done For Me Lately? Signed to the Constitution. And I may actually use that theme in the future, but I wanted to paint the picture that there are people, ordinary people in our midst who are walking the talk. They are putting their time and energy where their mouth is and where their values are. You've all likely heard the 80-20 rule that states that 20% of the people in any organization do 80% of the work. It's called the Pareto principle, the law of the vital few, and the principle of factor scarcity. Hold on, hold on. Sparsity. This is Saturday. No big word Saturday. Well, I I tripped my own self up because I said sparsity wrong. But, I, you know, I I hope after hearing the examples of our guests today that you will want to help and be part of the 20%. Join us and our guests in walking the talk. Well, speaking of guests, we've got a great lineup today. Uh We've got Laura Carno. She's a political strategist setting straight the relationship between citizens and their government. She is a founder of I Am Created Equal and the author of the book, Government Ruins Nearly Everything. And I argue with her on that title. They should take nearly out of it. Okay. (laughs) We will be talking today about a new article she wrote titled, Keeping Kids Safe in a Broken World. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's about that faster program. We had Rob Morse on a couple weeks ago talking about that Um teaching and training administrators and teachers uh, how to, to protect and defend, armed, protect and defend their school, and also administer aid, medical aid, uh, if there was ever a, an active shooter event in a school. It's a great program. Stick around for that. In-house, we have Arizona Ranger Lieutenant Scott Cook. He is the executive and public relations officer for our Freya company, Arizona Rangers. You know, I didn't know there were Arizona Rangers. I am super excited to learn what he's got to tell us. Hour two, we have Dr. Tim Wheeler. He is a founder of Doctors for Responsible Gun Owners. That's something that mm-hmm. raises an eyebrow. Mm-hmm. He's going to be talking about the Florida. He- What's that? The healers are in favor of arming and protecting lives. Well, hopefully he's going to explain all that to us. I love it. 
He's the um, he's going to be talking about Florida the doctors versus Glock law. Docs versus Glock law passed in 2011, and the court battles over it, which is about doctors asking their patients about their guns. Like, so if I go to a doctor and they ask me about my guns, are they talking about my arms? <laughs> are they talking about? Uh, they, wait, I, that was too big of a laugh. I'm sorry. I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean. How is him knowing what kind of guns I have going to help me feel better or heal me of whatever doctors, whatever I went to the doctor for? Well, I think that Dr. Tim Wheeler's going to tell us a little bit about that. Okay. Well, you always like, you mm-hmm. like my guns. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Yeah. All right. We've got Tim Condon. Ken is the DC Projects delegate from Mississippi, a small business owner and an NRA certified instructor. She is fantastic. I am so excited about this lady. Um, I met her on Facebook before we ended up in D.C., and uh, she did the best videos, like, leading up to, uh, you know, why we were going, what we had planned to do when we get there. And uh, so I'm excited to hear her kind of take away and and wrap up from that. We also have uh, Knox Williams he is the president and executive director of American Suppressor Association. You probably didn't hear that because we use the word suppressor, but we're going to be talking. It's a nonprofit trade association where it represents the suppressor industry. He's fantastic. Young guy. He and his brother both. I met them when we went to uh, Kentucky for the NRA meetings recently. And um, I just was really struck by how young they were and how much they've done uh, towards the the Hearing Protection Act and that sort of thing. And he's going to kind of fill us in on, okay, where are we with that? And why do we even say that um, using suppressors can be a health issue? You know, people don't usually think about those two things being together in the same sentence. So looking forward to that. We also have, of course, our Responsibly Armed Citizen Report and Dan's Tip of the Week at the end of our second hour. So be sure and stick around. Dan's giving me a look. He's about to, I think he's going to rant. We don't rant on this show, and two weeks in a row, I think, I think he's got a little bit of a rant to, to go on here. Well, some of us can remember the 1849 California gold rush. Do you remember those days, Cheryl? <laughs> oh, now you are in trouble. <laughs> Just keep talking. I remember them. <laughs> no, no. Uh, California gold rush. Everybody went to California because there was gold up in their heels, right? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a new rush. It's the California gun rush. Mm. And ever since July 5th, when they lost their independence Mm -hmm. and they took away their guns, we have had a rush of people bringing their guns from California and selling them to us. Mm -hmm. It's a good but sad thing. Um, Mm -hmm. These people that's had these guns all their life are now having to surrender their guns. And it's, it's really sad that we're seeing that. And we're also seeing that there's people that are moving from California because that was the last straw, and mm-hmm. they've had it. And so they're moving to Arizona, which is a free state. You know what? And I, I definitely don't blame them for coming over here to Arizona where we get to be treated like adults when it comes to our, our, our gun rights. But if all of the people who value their gun rights leave, then California is – it'll never change. It will always be a quote-unquote gun-free zone, does that mean that now the bad guys are just automatically going to also 
you know, go to Arizona and sell their guns to Arizona or turn their guns in. What do you think? What are the odds of that, Dan? I, I don't know, but I agree with you that the voice is going away in California. Mm-hmm. And if the voice goes away, the vote goes away. And if the vote goes away, the guns are going to go away. Mm. They've had a really tough time, California. Um, there are a lot of people in California that absolutely love guns. California used to be the place where I would go to the Great Western Show, which was thousands and thousands of tables of guns that you could buy. And there was military and there was it just every kind of gun that you could want. You could buy a cannon. You know, mm-hmm. you could buy anything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they slowly pushed that away. And, and it's pretty well gone now. I mean, you can't have a magazine over 10 around. You have to register things that you didn't have to register prior, like a button. The button released on an AR-15 has to be registered now. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if people remember, but when they had the 50 calibers legal in California... All of a sudden, they said, you have to register them now. So people registered their 50 calibers. These are bolt-action, semi-automatic guns. They registered them. Then about a year later, after all of them were registered, the government came and said, you either have to surrender them or move them out of state. And how did they know who had one? Because they were registered. Oh, so when you register your guns, you're put on a list and they can come back can use that list and tell you that you can no longer own that thing that you paid your own hard-earned money to own. Hmm. That truly happened, and it caused the um, the companies that make fifty caliber, like Barrett, told law enforcement officers in California they wouldn't sell them the guns anymore because of that. It's crazy. And, you know, that kind of relates to something I wanted to talk about, and it might be a little mini rant on my part. And that is that what's going on in California is what Michael Bloomberg is trying to push in every state he can think of. Wait a minute. I thought we were going to go a whole show without saying his name. (laughs) Sorry. My bad. I broke the rule. Well, the reason I want to talk about it is because he's trying to make us look foolish. And I want our listeners to to really think about this. Don't help him make us look foolish. He's trying to get us to vote our Second Amendment rights away and will shame you into doing so. You know, my cousin called me the other day and he said, and I just don't get it. What's so bad about this universal background check? Why is, why is it a bad thing? And I said, the devil is in the details. And the details take a while to explain and understand. So people are getting tricked into believing that we need this major governmental overreach. There's a ton of information out there on why the UBC, the Universal Background Check, is a terrible and invasive tool that the federal government wants and freedom-loving people don't. So when someone asks you to sign a ballot to protect the children with common-sense gun laws... I want you to remember that all of the laws that bad guys could possibly want to break are already on the books. So don't engage these tricksters. Don't get sucked into their emotional web. Just smile and move along. And then do your research for yourself. Your vote has consequences. Do not give it away blindly. The Second Amendment was set up as a roadblock for exactly this kind of of trickery. All right. Well, we need to run to commercial. And when we come back, we have a, an amazing lineup of guests, starting with Miss Laura Carno, right after this, talking about keeping kids safe 
in a broken world. Stick around. When you're working hard to beat debt, you've got to think of creative ways to get your income up. Here's an idea. Sell some stuff at auction. Start with locally owned and operated potofgoldestate.com. The owners, Dan and Cheryl Todd, have over 60 years of combined experience in selling antiques, collectibles, guns, coins, and jewelry. And over their many years in business, they've earned the trust of thousands of people just like you. Whether you're saving for a rainy day emergency fund or paying down debt, let potofgoldestate.com help you get the extra cash you need. Potofgoldestate.com will purchase your items outright, or you can consign them to their twice-a-month online auction. Pot of Gold's nationwide online auction is a great place to get top dollar for your collectibles. They specialize in everything from antiques, coins, high-end collectibles, to cars, boats, guns, and more. Get started today at potofgoldestate.com, or visit them off I-10 and Dysart Road in Historic Avondale for some live auction action. For more information, visit potofgoldestate.com. That's potofgoldestate.com. Hey ladies, Cheryl Todd here from azfirearms.com. Many of us ladies are taking the important step of becoming responsibly armed, but it can be an intimidating process. And with all the politics swirling, a first-time gun buyer, whether a guy or a lady, might feel uncertain about where to begin and who to trust. At azfirearms.com, we are a small, friendly, family-owned shop that specializes in first-time gun buyers. We are staffed with knowledgeable people who are ready to help answer all of your questions. My husband Dan and I pride ourselves on having a safe, no-pressure environment. Once you have decided on a purchase, azfirearms.com partners with professional firearms instructors who will train you to become a responsible, safe, prepared, and proficient gun owner. So ladies and gents, when you are looking for personalized service and a huge selection, come to azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road or visit us on the web at azfirearms.com. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Can I rant a little bit, Cheryl? Well, just a few minutes ago, we talked about uh, signing petitions. And how many times does somebody approach you with a a petition that you just signed? Without researching it. Oh, my gosh. Then, it happens all the time. They do these kind of gotcha videos right. about that on, like, you know, the boardwalk at the beach. And they right. catch people when they're in a relaxed state of mind. And they're, you know, they don't really want to, you know, think things through. And, and I the, think that's purposeful. But the problem with that is even if you read the petition, it's so short, it doesn't really give you the details. Well, and that's the thing. You know, if somebody walks up to you and says... Hey, do you want there to be tougher laws to help protect you and your children? There's no way to say no to that question. Right. But if you take the second and you go, well, what do you mean tougher laws? Yeah, we're going to ship all your kids on a train to another <laughs> state. Well, oh, well, I didn't know that. I just thought you were taking my children, right? Um, so a lot of it is where they catch you. A lot of it is how it is presented, uh, the word choice used. And so people like us, you know, we study this stuff. This is our life. You know, we have a, a gun uh, shop and we, we have a, a radio show that we talk about these laws. 
and the politics all the time. So if I was approached by that, you know, I would say, well, what laws do you have in mind? What do you think is going to, you know, because last I heard murder is illegal. Right. So basically, you know, what people break that law all the time. We're going to make a law to enforce the law. I mean, really, what are you after here? And um, that's not what they're ever going to run into. They're just going to run into people going, well, yes, of course, I want to protect my children. So let me sign that. When I go to a gun show and there's people asking for petitions to be signed, I feel guilty if I don't sign them. I don't (laughs) sign them anymore without reading and understanding and knowing the law. But, you know, they make you feel guilty. And you might be with some friends of yours and they signed it. Doesn't necessarily mean that you should sign it too. Mm -hmm. Don't sign anything unless you know what it means. Don't vote unless you know what you're voting for. Well, I'm not saying don't vote. I'm saying make sure when you vote, you know what you're voting for. Yeah. Yeah, what he said. Don't. Don't. Don't vote. (laughs) Okay? You got to vote. Don't not vote. Yeah. That's double negative makes a positive. That means get it. That sounds like donut. Do you want to go have some donuts? Stop it. Stop it. So, no, that is so important. The the point that you're, you're making through humor is that, you know... I know we've been guilty of it in the past. You know, you you walk up to the polling booth and you think, all right, well, this sounds good. And even that, even the way that they word things on a ballot, uh, sometimes when you are voting no, no actually means yes to the thing that you really want to have supported. So um, you got to be careful. You've got to do your research. You've got to know what it is you're after and how to answer that question. You know, they send us the materials in the mail. You know, you get the booklet that explains what all the ballots, uh, the, the petitions are, and who's going to be on the ballot. Yeah, I want to put a sign in my yard that says, vote yes for, for no and no for yes. Exactly. That's what my signs would be. Exactly. All right. Well, I think we have somebody waiting on the line while we're sitting here chit-chatting. We've got Miss Laura Carno coming on. Sounds like she might have her radio on. So, uh, Laura, are you with us? Miss Laura, are you there? Not yet. Okay, we're still working on that. Well, Laura is awesome. She has written the book that Danny was talking about called Government Ruins Nearly Everything. Really? And uh, he always does ask her that. Like, really? Nearly? And she says, well, they've got to do something right somewhere. So, Hi, Laura. Know, are you there? I am here. Oh, you are. Hello. I'm so glad you could be on the show today. Yeah, sorry about the uh, the phone um, back and forth. Apparently, my landline, which I used for radio interviews, was not uh, working today. So, go figure. Go figure. I'm telling you, that is the magic uh, and tragedy of uh, the comedy and tragedy of live radio. And, uh, you know, the technology wants to fail us every once in a while, but we have you now. So I'm excited. So you just recently went and took this faster training. Uh, We had Rob Morse on a couple weeks ago talking about it. And then you wrote this great article, and I even love the title, Keeping Kids Safe in a Broken World. I mean, tell us about that. What, What led you to write this article? Yeah, and so um, I'm glad you brought up Rob. So Rob went to um, the FASTER Level 1 training, and FASTER stands for Faculty Administrator Safety Training and Emergency Response. And so Rob went to the class where 
teachers who have their concealed carry license already, and this is in Ohio, um, go through a very rigorous three-day training class on how to become armed first responders in their schools. So, so Rob went to the first, the first level class. I went to faster too, which is a year after um, the folks that Rob that Rob went through with. So I went through with teachers and administrators who had already been carrying for a year, and um, they were learning even more advanced skills. And I'll tell you what, I left that uh, training with a sense of awe for mm-hmm. the heroes who um, who make the decision to do this. And the, the title you mentioned, um, Keeping Kids Safe in a Broken World, and, and folks can see that on my website at lauracarno.com. But the reason I called it that, it, it was an interview with one teacher who said, it would be great to think that schools are safe and that no bad guy would ever enter a school intent on killing children, but we live in a broken world, and we have to admit that and be prepared to defend the kids. And I thought, wow, that, you, you do have to admit that our world is broken and figure out how you're going to defend yourself and your family, and in this case, the kids in your classroom. Oh my gosh, you're so right. And when I was reading your article and you said in a variety of different ways, quoting other people saying this uh, thing about how, let's say at Sandy Hook, teachers blocked the students, the bad guy from the students, and all they had to defend themselves and their students was their own body. And, you know, we don't have claws like a mama bear, right? We don't right. have, you know, sharp fangs. And, and and when I picture that all we have is just, you know, our flesh to stand between us and a, and a crazy person trying to injure and kill our children, that's not acceptable to me. And it shouldn't right. be acceptable to anyone. Yeah, and I talked about that angle of it with a an elementary school teacher who, gosh, she was maybe five foot three, five foot four. She was um, petite, and I asked her about that with the Sandy Hook teachers, and and she said, she said every one of us here in this training class, if we didn't have a firearm, we would put our bodies between bullets and children, and all we're asking for is a chance to survive. And I thought, holy cow, um, these are in, in Rob Morse's uh, uh, article called them um, heroes in teacher, teacher's clothing. And I really loved that, that language, and I got it. I really got it in my gut and in my heart when I met some of these people. Um, because they, and I say in the article that in the wild, a mama bear um, will fight to the death to protect her cubs, but she's not going to. She's not going to protect another bear's cubs. Mm. These teachers are putting themselves in between bullets and your kids, not their own kids, your kids. And so, it's, to me, it's this extra level of um, of regard I have for people who are willing to do this, and um, they raise their hand and volunteer and say, "I want to be that armed defender in our school or one of." Um, because some schools have many, um, have multiple people, one of those armed defenders in my school. Well, what a, an awesome thing, A, and that you went there and you spent the time and that you write about it so that it, it helps others understand what it's all about. But B, what's in my mind is 
the cross section of two such hot button political issues. You've got education and guns kind of bisecting right at, at this place. And I can't imagine that it ever made its way into a school, but yet it has. Sure. And, and like this one teacher said, we would love for, we would love to have our schools be safe places. Um, even without having armed first responders in schools, they do a lot of things to, uh, to try and keep kids safe. And that's great. And armed bad guys keep making their way in and something needs to be done. But here's what was very interesting, Cheryl, is, um, the three days that I spent with these folks in Ohio was among the least political time I've ever spent in my life. There were no politics discussed. Nobody asked if you're, if you belong to this party or that party or which side of the aisle you're on. Nobody talked about gun control versus gun rights. This was about safety and protecting children. Wow. Don't you wish we could keep things more on topic like that? Sure. Sure. And, and, um, Ohio, so so I'm calling you from Colorado, mm-hmm. and Ohio has the the laws. They, they have no laws restricting um, people from carrying concealed firearms on um, on campuses. Here in Colorado, K through 12 campuses are an exemption where you can't even if you are a concealed carry holding um, uh, principal or teacher you can't carry um, at your place of business and on the school campus. So what we're looking to do here, and I know you've got listeners in many states, if your state prohibits this, demand from your legislative officials that they allow school districts to make this decision, um, very similar to how Ohio does. They don't mandate it. It's not required. It's all volunteer in each school district gets to make that decision on whether they're going to do it in that district or not. Wow. I mean, to us, it sounds like, duh, right? It's like so common. Right. That's common sense. But yet, uh, instead, they, they just want to keep teachers uh, cowering in corners, I guess, or maybe maybe you can toss a book at the bad guy or something. But all right, well, we're going to run to break for a second. And when we come back, we have more with Miss Laura Carno talking about her new article, Keeping Kids Safe in a Broken World, right after this. Hey everybody, this is Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan, world champion gunslinger and Hollywood gun coach. In the Westerns, there's always a good guy and a bad guy, and sometimes the ugly guy. And I always root for the good guy, which is why I'm here to tell you about the good folks over at azfirearms.com. They are straight shooters and always give you the best deal in town. azfirearms.com is the biggest little gun shop in Arizona and have something for every single gun enthusiast. Long guns, pistols, hunting, military, law enforcement, home protection, you name it. And when you've got some guns to sell or trade in and trade up, azfirearms.com are the folks to see. Geez, they bought a cannon once. They are family-owned and operated, friendly staff, courteous, totally reliable. azfirearms.com will give you the best value for your used guns. So stop in, see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd at azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road and tell them Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan sent you. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Pot of Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Pot of Gold auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. 
Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at potofgoldestate.com. Auctions take place the first and third Tuesday of every month and are full of a great mix of antiques, collectibles, jewelry, guns, and coins. Visit our beautiful air-conditioned showroom off the I-10 at Dysart Road at 215 East Western Avenue in historic downtown Avondale. You will find a friendly and knowledgeable staff, comfortable chairs, and we even serve free birthday cake at every auction. Or bid from the comfort of your home at potofgoldestate.com. Don't miss out. Everything is going, going, gone at potofgoldestate.com. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, educate, and inform. Sponsored by AZ Firearms, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. We're talking to Laura Carno. She had just written an article, Keeping Kids Safe in a Broken World. Are you with us, Laura? I am. Well, thank you for sticking around. Hey, I have two comments. One is, Cheryl just mentioned uh, education and firearms. And I think that if people were more educated with firearms that they would accept this program more. Would you agree with that? Sure. And, and um, you know, I think there are a lot of levels that, that that's true, including um, in Ohio. And um, forgive me for continuing to bring up Ohio, but they, they have done this right. Um, the, the, the firearms training that these teachers and administrators get is equal to that of the Ohio police officer's um, gun training. Wow. They have to pass the same test, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you look at it and you say, oh, wait, no, cops go through academy for three months. Okay, but it's not all guns. They have to learn a whole bunch of other stuff like arresting people and, um, you know, radio codes and all sorts of things. But the gun training is the exact same thing that these teachers and administrators are getting. Um, and so when you look at um, the overall training, you've got obviously firearms training. And we want them to be as proficient as possible. But the thing that the media never talks about is the medical training. Mm-hmm. In um, Sandy Hook, it took 45 minutes for medics to be cleared to enter the building. How many people died because nobody inside knew that level of trauma care? At the uh, Columbine shooting here in Colorado, a teacher bled out because nobody could get to him in time and nobody knew how to stop um, bleeding. These teachers learned how to stop um, how to pack bullet wounds, how to stop a second chest wound, how to apply a tourniquet, all sorts of things that, that you need in those specialized kinds of um, trauma. It's not, your, it's not your father's first aid kit. This is, this is serious business. And, and so even if folks can't get their heads around armed teachers in school, let's start talking about the medical piece and say, don't you want people inside once the shooting stops who can apply that level of trauma care to very seriously injured people so that fewer people die. Right. The obvious. Laura, I'm sorry, but I I remember, you know, a lot of people don't know that the medical can't even enter the building until it's cleared by the police department. Right. They have to secure the building and make sure. Yeah. Think about all these active shooter situations that, um, end up only being one shooter, but there are there's word that there might be a second shooter. These cops are going in there trying to secure the place looking for a second shooter. It might be an hour. Um, Orlando was over three hours until they could get medical care in there. So when you start with that 
that concept, and I think everybody can agree we, we want very well-trained people from a medical standpoint, um, then you have to ask that next natural question, and that is, who's going to stop the shooter so that the medical attention can be applied? And the, the statistics are very, very clear that when there is an armed good guy, whether it's a, a teacher, a civilian, a, a police officer, um, the shooting stops more quickly um, when there's somebody uh, shooting back and um, or this huge percentage of bad guys who see an armed good guy and uh, they decide to end it themselves. But that also reduces the carnage. Absolutely. So, you know, if somebody's listening and they're not in Ohio and they're not even in Colorado where you are and maybe they're not even in Arizona where we are, but they're like, I am sold. Yes, I want this in my school. If they're a citizen, do they have any say? If they're a teacher, do they have more say? If they're in administration, can they do something? What's your take on that? Yeah, and, and here's what I, I say in the article, and, and folks can find it at lauracarner.com. Um, there's a section near the end of the article, how to bring faster to your state. And so the first thing you'd have to do is um, determine if, if it's doable right now with your state laws or if you'd need if you'd need changes to state laws. So the way you would do that is talk to your state legislator. Um, most states have um, a state senator and a state representative and find out, talk to your school board, find out, and demand that they look into this and allow the children in your state, in your school district, to be as well defended as these teacher or as these um, school children are in Ohio. You know, I love that. And so often people just, they, we abdicate, we're busy in our lives and we just abdicate so much to they, you know, they're going to take care of it. I'm sure there's somebody that's driven to, to call their legislators so I don't have to do it. I don't want people to think that way today. I want you to hear us speaking to you. You are where the rubber meets the road. You are who is going to make a difference. It, it really does just take one person to pick up the phone and start the ball rolling. Don't you think, Laura? Absolutely. And, and here's what's interesting about the actual teachers and administrators is when, when Ohio um, started this. And by the way, they founded a foundation, the Buckeye Firearms Foundation. They founded a foundation to raise private donations to pay for this. So once a district says, yes, we'd like to send a teacher through or a couple of people, uh, the Buckeye Firearms Foundation pays for this so that teachers and taxpayers aren't on the hook for the cost of the training, which is really uh, pretty amazing. But in 2013, when they launched their first class, not knowing how many people would sign up, um, they had a first class of 24 students, 2,500 teachers and administrators signed up for 24 Wow. There's more than 100 people per open seat. Um, And since 2013, they have trained in Ohio 650 teachers and administrators in 152 districts, and they've got 63 out of Ohio's 88 counties covered. Um, This is a a big effort, and they've had, since 2013, not a single problem uh, with... the, the other side might say, well, you can't have more guns in school and all these terrible things are going to happen. None of it. None of it has happened. Not, and don't you think the, the media would jump on that with all four feet? <laughs> don't 
to say. Yeah, absolutely. There, look at this accident that happened. Look at this shooting that happened. And so the fact that we haven't heard about it, I, I guarantee you there hasn't been an incident. And, you know, if you had two schools across the street from each other, and parents were given the opportunity, hey, do you want to send your kids to a school that has a bunch of highly trained armed guards? Or do you want to send your school, your kid to school at the, the normal ordinary school? That, but it's got a sign that says gun-free zone. Where do you think, right. even if people are in, in their political persuasion, anti-rights, anti-gun rights, how, where do you think they're going to send their kids? Yeah, and that's exactly the right question. Um, and m- most of the schools um, whose representatives I talk to, most of them, even though it's known that that school is, has armed um, people, um, teachers or administrators, they, it's not public which people, just to protect, mm-hmm. protect them and keep that element of surprise. But if it were known, I'd, I'd take your question even one step further, if it were known that um, it's this particular teacher and you were enrolling your kid in that school, wouldn't mm-hmm. you do everything you could to get your kid in that class? that had an armed defender. And I think most people, if they were being honest with themselves, would say yes. Absolutely. I mean, I know I would, but of course, I'm, I'm not afraid of guns. I, I understand uh, guns. I know how they operate. I know how people are trained. And I think that's the piece that Dan's talking about that's so missing, is that there's the, there are this mysterious and dangerous thing instead of people understanding that they are a tool, a specific tool made for a specific job. And just like we don't sit there and have nightmares that the um, the uh, chainsaw in the garage is going to jump out and, and chase us down the hallway in the middle of the night, well, guns don't, don't do that either, right? Sure. Yeah, they, they are tools. I, I say that um, I before I got involved in politics, I never talked about my firearms, just like I never talked about my power drill. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they are simply two tools. And, and I'd say to the folks who are uncomfortable with guns, and, and I'm, I'm one of these who is pro-choice on firearms. I don't think everybody everybody should love them and have them and, and carry them. It's, it's, a, um, it's a big decision for folks to make. Um, but, but you've got um, people today, when you go to the grocery store, who are carrying concealed, uh, when you go to the shopping mall, when you go to the movie theater, your fellow citizens are carrying concealed. And by the way, that is a more law-abiding population than actual police officers. Thank you for saying so you that. You actually, actually feel very good about your fellow um, neighbors being armed. It's not different just because you swap a shopping mall for a school campus. Um, it's the same very law-abiding people who've been through background checks Um, Many have had familiarity with firearms for most of their life through hunting or what have you, and um, they're the good guys. You look at some folks in the school and you say, well, I wouldn't want so-and-so to be armed. Okay, well, the district shouldn't approve so-and-so then (laughs) if if they're not the uh, the right person. Oh, my gosh. I've had so many people say to me over the years, well, I know with my temper, I shouldn't have a gun. And like, okay, well, good. I'm glad you're self-aware. And that's good that you know that about yourself. But why would your temper have anything to do with my ability to control myself and train myself 
And somehow they just want to paint the whole world with their own personal experience. And I think that's where we, how we've gotten to where we are now. Sure. And that's why I like the term pro-choice on firearms. Mm-hmm. It, if you picture a typical K-12 campus, you're going to have a good chunk of people there who say, I don't want guns. I don't want to be around them. I don't want to see them. I don't want to have one. Great. You're not the one who raised your hand to go through the faster training um, to be an armed first responder. And that's fine. Um, You just need, you just need um, somebody there to stop the bad guy. Absolutely. Well, we've got to start wrapping up, but I definitely want you to tell people how they can find out more about faster and all the stuff you've got going on. You are a busy, busy person. So give us some, some places to find some information. Yeah. So my, my main website is lauracarno.com. And the first blog you'll see is this one, Keeping Kids Safe in a Broken World. Um, Feel free to thumb through my blogs. They're a a list of the things that have annoyed me in either national or local (laughs) politics. Um, Always a good read. Being uh, uh, an even-numbered year presidential election year, there's just a lot of stuff going on. So it is definitely a a busy time of year for me. But I'd love to connect with folks. You can sign up for my, um, my email newsletter. If you want to ask me a question, you can feel free to click contact on my website, and um, I'd love to love to chat with you. Laura, thank you very much for uh, being with us today and also for being involved in that FASTER program and spreading the word. I think it's a terrific program. Thank you very much. Absolutely. It's my privilege to bring this information to folks. I think it's so important. Well, thank you for all you do. We'll have you back on again another time. Okay, sounds great. Thanks so much. Uh, bye-bye. And then Hi. the FASTER program you can find at BuckeyeFirearmsFoundation.org. And I highly recommend you learning more about it and reaching out to your legislators in your state. Well, stick around because after this, we have an in-studio guest, Scott Cook, who is a lieutenant with the Arizona Rangers. Didn't know that existed. Bet you didn't either. Stick nope. around. I'm Rob Morse from the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Each week we share stories about men and women who saved lives. Now I am asking you to be a lifesaver as well. The Second Amendment Foundation protects our rights to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Today, they need our help. Please go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation. That's saf.org. And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it, as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ, as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun. Absolutely. AZFirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. AZFirearms.com is Knolltown Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit AZFirearms.com. Be a part of the gold rush and head on down to see my friends at Pot of Gold Auctions in Avondale, Arizona. Or check out the auction online at potofgoldstate.com. 
These folks auction off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Everything is going, going, gone. So you best hurry and tell them Don Cogger sent you. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And we are so glad you're here with us today. If you missed any part of this show or any show, really, go back and check our website at gunfreedomradio.com and click on the On Demand tab. We also have a tab uh, that says Guests. You click on there, you can see pictures of everybody that we've had on. So you can put a face with a name and a voice. You can learn a little bit more about their, their history, their knowledge. There's links on their page to all the stuff they've done. If they've written an article, if they've been on the news, um, their own Facebook page. So it's a great resource for you. Please spend some time and look around on GunFreedomRadio.com. Well, many of us may not know about the history of the Arizona Rangers, a history that goes back to the Civil War and territorial days of this great state of Arizona where we are. I know we're nationwide, but but we're sitting in Arizona, and our next guest is an Arizona Ranger, Lieutenant Scott Cook, and he's going to take us back to the Wild West days of Arizona when a badge, courage, and 26 men on horseback were the law. Welcome to the show, Scott. Thank you for having me on today. Absolutely. We are so excited. So tell us about that. That sounds like such a rich history. Well, everyone out there kind of knows about the Texas Rangers. Uh, And currently there is only four Rangers, if you want to call them companies, throughout the United States. There's the Texas Rangers, there's the Arizona Mounted Rangers, there's the New Mexico Rangers, and then there is what we know as the Arizona Rangers. So how come all the, the press goes to the Texas guys? Those are the, that's the only one I've ever heard of. Uh, because 1838 was earlier than 1901. <laughs> gotcha. Texas, <laughs> Texas Rangers, we don't need no stinking badges. Uh, I think that was Walker, Texas. That's a TV show. Moving along, and Scott's got a lot to tell us about. So, so there are four companies across the nation. That's it. That's it. And we get to have two of them here. And all the rich history that comes with it. Well, tell us a little bit about that. The history of the Arizona Rangers goes back to the Civil War, Cheryl, as you mentioned. Um, the Arizona Territorial Rangers that we all know, well, I'm introducing them to you right today, uh, started in 1901. I was brought in, uh, of course, for government need. It was the Wild West in the southern part of the territorial area of Arizona at the time. And the first actual company was, lo and behold, Tombstone Company. So it was an elite group of men. They had one captain, one sergeant, 14 privates. Uh, the men, many of the men were uh, Teddy Roosevelt's Rough Riders. Ah, uh, they were okay. all skilled marksmen, trackers, and, of course, horsemen. I guess, because there were no, well, maybe there were some cars, but you weren't going to get across the Arizona Territory in a car back then. There were tough times back then. <laughs> Uh, the Rangers, they, they operated out of secrecy. Mm. And uh, many times they were disguised as cattle inspectors when dealing with rustlers. You mm-hmm. can imagine. That mm-hmm. was a good way to go in and catch the rustlers. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as sparsely populated as the territory was, 
they were up to the ears in desperados, outlaws, and general criminals at that time. So in 1901, as I mentioned, the Arizona Rangers, the Territorial Rangers, came into existence. Uh, in 1903, they came out of the shadows. As I mentioned, they didn't have their, they were kind of in secrecy. Now they wore their badge, they displayed their badges, and their goals in general ballooned up to 26 men taking care of the territory. They cleaned it up. Oh, 26 men. Arizona Territory was pretty big at the time. 26 guys. 26 guys. They must have been tough as nails. They were tough men. And just imagine going back 115 years. We're talking about putting you on a horse. Mm-hmm. Well, not me. Well, Maybe Dan. <laughs> let's, say, let's just go back and say we're all on horses. So, I mean, we're talking about unforgiving land. We're talking about scorching hot conditions, mm. lack of food and water. As we mentioned, these were tough times. They'd sometimes ride 100 miles a day. Mm. Crazy. So, in the end, the Rangers did their job a little bit too well. So, in 1909, with political changes, they were disbanded. Oh, wow. Okay, so... In 1957, four of the original Rangers decided it was time to come out of retirement, and they started what we know today as the modern-day Rangers. All right. And that was what year? 1957. We continue to work to this day. Wow. Okay. So what does the modern-day Ranger look like? If you put it in government terms, the modern-day Rangers are recognized by Arizona Revised Statutes, Title 41, as a non-commissioned, non-paid civilian auxiliary that's available to assist with federal, state, and local law enforcement. Uh, we're also a 501c3, so we're a nonprofit. Uh, when we do our duties, we do a lot of private security work. Uh, the money that we get in, those monies in turn get put back into the community to take care of our causes, like uh, my company, Agrafria, that I, I'm in. We take care of the Homeless Youth Connection, which is a good year, and also we donate money to the Arizona Law Enforcement Canine Association. Alika. So we raise money for canine vests. Uh, you know, I don't think that canine police officers even are known enough. People don't think enough about the incredibly important work that they do. So anything that we can do to support them. So supporting you helps support them. Exactly. That's amazing. That's well, Scott, exactly. do, you, do you guys still ride horses too? You know, I can smile and say we do. We have horse de- Horse detachments, one of them is down in Tombstone. So when we do duties, which we're going to be going down uh, to support the marshal for Haldorado Days uh, coming up in October, uh, we are going to be working on horses. Well, at least they're air-conditioned now, right? <laughs> yes. No? Yes, we can always go into the saloon, and it does have air conditioning. Thank you. <laughs> nice, nice. So, like, give us a, a day in the life of. Like, what? where do you guys help out? Well, as I mentioned, in well, and ladies probably by all means, we have both men and women in the Rangers. Mm-hmm. And uh, that said, uh, we're both held to the same standards. We have a high commitment to each other, our duties, and it goes back to when you say you're going to do something, you do something. We hold you to those standards. So, as far as a day in the life of a Ranger, uh, it can be anything. We could. The nice thing about it is we're a statewide volunteer organization, so we can go up and work in duties in Kingman. We go all the way down to Sonoida, and we have 17 companies. So it's just a matter of contacting the company based on the duty or the need and then going down and working the duty. Uh, Like I said, we do a lot of private security work. Uh, We have a $5 million Lloyds of London policy behind us. 
So with that security work and raising money, it's probably the biggest thing that is true to my heart because it goes back to those causes and needs. Absolutely. So you, um, the, the Arizona Rangers, you assist mostly other uh, law enforcement organizations, right? Exactly. So, and so give us an example. Well, some people might say we're not necessary so much because in Maricopa County there is so much law enforcement. However, we do have Scottsdale Company, Peoria Company, Phoenix Company, and Agua Fria Company in this area. Uh, as I mentioned, we go all the way up to Kingman. We have High Country, which is in Flagstaff. We have Snoida. We have Benson Company. And to give you an idea, based on Benson Company and some of the smaller cities, their budgets are stretched to the limits. Mm-hmm. So it's not uncommon to see an officer in a patrol car with an Arizona Ranger sitting shotgun. Wow. So That's awesome. That volunteer service, we did the calculations based on the manpower, and typically a police officer gets paid $29 an hour. We totaled them up last year, and if we would have handed over an invoice to the state, that invoice would have totaled $640,000 that the Rangers that's the work the Rangers did for the community last year. That's statewide. fantastic. So you are saving taxpayers money. You are empowering citizens who want to, to be a, a part of service in that way. And thank you for your service, by the way. Um, and so are you always looking for new volunteers? We're always looking for people of good moral character, as they say. Mm-hmm. Well, you're missing one point, Cheryl. He's also helping to save lives because... Riding with another officer is nothing but a good thing. Absolutely. So. I mean, that is that is such an incredible service. I can't believe I didn't know you guys existed. And, you know, because you're still in stealth mode, if you think about it that way, right? You, Going back to 1901. You do have a point there. Um, for example, with one of our companies that happens to be in Sedona, we do a lot of public relations work. So, Sedona being an international destination, we get that comment all the time. And it seems like the German community... Loves cowboys. So we happen to be rock stars up there for some reason. Isn't that funny how that works? It's regional that way. Well, um, how can people reach out? How can they help either donate? How can they help with their time? Uh, Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, the backgrounds of of people that join the Rangers are varied. Uh, When we go through our our training and go to our our academy, uh, nine times out of ten when they raise their hand when it comes to like college degrees, and something similar, accolades, 80% of the room raises their hands. Mm. Not to say that is one of the driving forces. You know, we're looking for both men and women in, in good moral character. This is a special, this is a unique position because you're giving back to the state in such a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as you don't need to have law enforcement experience, uh, we have all types of backgrounds. My experience happens to be in business. Uh, you must at least be 21 years old, you have no criminal history, and you must reside in the state of Arizona at least six months out of the year. So if you wanted to contact us, all you have to do is search Arizona Rangers for, for a Google search, and you'll find our, our state website. Select the company. We have 17 companies throughout the state. Select the company that you want to choose and request an application. Some of the highlights of what we put you through is – Passing your state and federal background checks. Uh, You have to obtain a CCW permit. If you have one, that's fantastic. You take an oral board before the company, oral board. And then as far as you have to attend ARDA, it's our Arizona Ranger Training Academy. It's a brief academy. It's 
it's a crash course of, of uh, 24 hours. So from there, you would pass your duty weapons qualifications. We train to post standards, and then you have to complete your 90-day probationary ranger program. Uh, in the end, you have to get accepted by the majority vote of the ranger company. And once that happens, you're sworn in as a full ranger. Well, how old, how old will you accept somebody? Like on both ends. Yeah, yeah so that's a very good question. You know, we look for experience, too. So a lot of our, our rangers are retired law enforcement, uh, retired military. Uh, of course, we look for physically fit people. But on the other side, bringing that type of experience to the rangers is also something that uh, we truly, truly respect. Fantastic. Well, I encourage everybody to check it out. Even if you don't live in Arizona, I think it's just an inspiring story. And you can donate even if you don't live in Arizona and help support them and help support the uh, the canines, so, canine officers. So fantastic. Scott, thank you so much for coming in and spending some time with us. Thank you again. Enjoyed it. Thank you. All right. Well, stick around because we still have our number two of Gun Freedom Radio and three awesome guests waiting in the wings. Dr. Tim Wheeler of the DRGO, Kim Condon, who was one of our delegates on the D.C. Project, and Knox Williams, who is the president of American Suppressor Association. Stick around. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Potty Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Potty Gold auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at potofgoldestate.com. Come listen to the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Hear about armed civilians protecting people they love. Were they lucky or were they prepared? Come listen and learn at selfdefensegunstories.com. And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it, as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ, as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun. Absolutely. azfirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. azfirearms.com is Knolltown Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit azfirearms.com. 